Hey there, I'm Edwina Kennedy, registered pediatric dietitian and mom of two, and this is the My Little Eater podcast. Each week, I'll be dishing out all the best info on feeding and nutrition for your baby and toddler, answering all of your what do I do when scenarios, and helping you gain complete confidence in not only feeding your child, but in parenting as well. Every episode is filled with actionable and proven feeding strategies delivered by a mama and a feeding expert who's been there and done that. I hold your hand and I take you step-by-step through all stages of feeding while showing you how to implement what I teach you so that you can raise a happy and healthy little eater of your own. Let's do this. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the My Little Eater podcast. Today we are talking all about growth charts and growth curves and what it means if your child is growing along a certain place on that growth chart, a certain percentile, and how do you know if your child is growing well, and all that good stuff. So this is, of course, something that is extremely important both to parents, both to medical professionals. In general, we want to see that our child is growing and we want to track and, and monitor their growth to make sure that they're healthy, really. That's like the, one of the main measures of their health is are they getting what their body needs in order to function and develop and grow? And a lot of times we use these growth charts to determine are they growing too much or are they growing too little? And you probably have seen your doctor plotting away your own child's growth charts during those regular checkups. So you may see something that looks super technical and super fancy, but I'll tell you, growth charts really aren't that hard to interpret if you know how it works and what to look for. And even though we typically leave that interpretation up to the doctor, I think it's so empowering for parents to really understand what it means when they give status updates on their growth and how to actually plot their own child's growth and how to interpret it. Because without understanding it, Honestly, we might end up just getting anxious over nothing or we could get complacent about a real issue that sometimes isn't picked up. So without further ado, let's just dive into all that we need to know to understand these things. Starting with a definition of what is a growth chart. Essentially, it is a graph that's used by the medical community to track your child's growth pattern. And you essentially just take your child's weight and your child's height or your child's length. So if they are under two years of age, they're actually going to just measure out the length of their child. And then as they hit two years and up, that's when they will stand on a scale and they will get their actual weight. And that's plotted. And then the rate of growth is basically compared to the rate of growth of a reference population of kids that are the same age and the same sex as your child. And each of these growth charts have uh, what we call percentile lines. So they're basically these color-coded sections that run through the graph that indicate if your child is in the 5th or 10th or 50th or 90th percentile, for example. And that is kind of telling you what grouping they fall in. So let me just explain that in a little more detail. If your child falls along the 50th percentile, that basically means that Half of the reference population of kids that are, again, that same age and same sex as your child, half of them are bigger than your child, while half of them are smaller than your child. So your child falls right in the middle of this reference group. Now, if your child is on the 10th percentile, that means that 90% of that reference population is bigger than them, and 10% of them are smaller than your child. So you kind of get the point if it's on the, the 30th and 70% is bigger and, and uh, 30% is smaller. So 
this is basically what a growth chart is, and this is the type of information it gives. Now, there are two different types of growth charts out there. One of them is created by the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, and the other one is created by WHO, which is the World Health Organization. In Canada, we use the WHO growth charts, and that is for all kids under 19 of age. And in the U.S., they actually use the CDC growth charts if your child is two years and over. They only use the WHO growth charts for two-year-olds and under. Now, the main difference between these two types of charts is essentially just that reference population that I mentioned before. So the WHO growth charts uses a reference population of healthy children that are basically in optimal conditions or what we call optimal conditions. One example of that being that they were exclusively breastfed for at least four to 12 months of age. And so we kind of look at this reference population as the ideal or the, a population that we know to be very healthy. While the CDC growth charts describe and use a reference for children that grew up in just whatever specific environment that I think was used at the time of developing these. I don't know exactly where it is. I think it was based in the United States though. And essentially, I mean, they just take like a random group of kids of this age and this sex, and then they say, okay, here's where all of these kids fall in terms of weight and height, and then we compare your child against them. So again, the WHO growth chart is comparing against kids who are growing and living in optimal health conditions, whereas the CDC is just kind of more of a broad group of kids, if that makes sense. So generally speaking, it does make sense to look at the development of a child under optimal conditions. So that's, again, the WHO growth chart. That's what we use in Canada. Now, let's dive into what percentile your child should be on and when you should really worry because this is really where parents get hung up. And you'll hear parents quoting what percentile they're on in casual conversation at playgroups and things. Oh, my kid's on the 20th, my kid's on the 60th percentile. Anytime I get a message from parents that are worried about consumption of food, I like their child's consumption of food, then I, I know it's like embedded in that message somewhere, their child's growth percentile. And that is a piece of information that it's funny, parents think is very, very important to note, but really that doesn't tell me a whole lot in terms of whether they're healthy or not. And so let me explain why. These growth percentiles don't tell me if your child's overweight or underweight or if they're stunted in growth. What they're doing, as I said before, is just comparing your child's weight and height to other kids of the same age and sex. That's it. It's as simple as that. Many parents feel that if their child is on the 50th percentile, that is the ideal percentile, and they kind of feel relief around that. But let's say their child is on the 90th or the 5th percentile, then they start to freak out because they think, oh, my child is not actually in the middle of this pack, in the middle of the group, they're on either end. And it's, again, not uncommon for me to get messages and emails from parents whose even doctors have kind of sounded an alarm for a child who's on either end of the growth chart, you know, that top 10% or that bottom 10%. And they're quick to claim that their child is quote unquote falling off the growth chart, right? That's a term that's often used when their child is kind of like on the outskirts of the growth chart. And again, that causes parents to stress. And then it also causes parents to push more food on their child if let's say they were on the bottom fifth or 10th percentile, or it might cause parents to restrict their child's food if they're on the upper like 90th percentile or 95th percentile, which 
believe it or not, leads to more issues around food and then the opposite effect on weight that we actually want, not to mention a lot of psychological issues in the long run. I will probably talk more about this in another episode at some point because there is a lot of backfiring that's seen in terms of behavior and in terms of, you know, the way your child thinks about food and how they behave around food when we start to pressure or restrict their food. So you think you're helping, you think that, you know, you should be influencing things in order to help your child get on this seemingly ideal percentile on the growth chart, but really that's not helping. There really is no ideal percentile, if that makes sense. So it's not what percentile your child is on that we care about. What we care about is whether your child has a normal rate of growth over time. Basically, do they follow along that same percentile or that same growth curve over time? Are they sticking to that number over a period of time? So if your child, let's say, has always been on the 10th percentile or always been on the 40th percentile or always been on the 5th percentile or 50th, do they stay there? Because we want to see a fairly steady rate of growth over time. As they grow with age, we want to see that growth on that percentile rather than seeing sudden swings in percentile. So if your child is, let's say, dropping or increasing two or more percentile lines on the growth chart, that's when we start to investigate, okay, what's happening here? Why is this happening? Is there a cause for concern? Like, why would your child go from the 20th percentile all of a sudden jumping to the 60th percentile or the 50th percentile? What happened? It could be as simple as they went through a growth spurt, right? But it also could be, oh, they're overeating, they're getting too many calories, they're not moving enough, et cetera, et cetera. So that is definitely an indicator that, hey, for this period of time that has passed, there was like more than expected weight that was gained in that time period. So what's going on? Again, it could be a very simple explanation for it. It does not mean it's necessarily cause for concern, but it does warrant investigating. The exact same thing happens if your child drops in percentile. So again, you may have a child that was on the 50th percentile or the 70th percentile, and then they drop down you know, from 70th to 50th or 50th to 30th or 20th or whatever. And when you see that happen within a fairly short period of time, or in general, just seeing your child who's for years been on one percentile and then drop, that is when you start to say, okay, why did their rate of growth change? Why did they all of a sudden slow down so much in how much weight they put on or how much height they put on? And what's the reason for this? How do I help them? Is it that they're not eating enough? Is it that they're not absorbing nutrients? Is it that they have a complex around food that their pickiness is really so much that they're not getting you know, enough variety? All these kinds of things, you can start to question what's happening. So that's the kind of thing we want to look at. It doesn't matter where your child is in general. Okay, I just really want to hammer home that point. Being on the fifth percentile is not a bad thing if they've always been there. Being on the 95th percentile is not a bad thing if they've always been there. Every single child has a different body and has different genetic potential and has different environmental circumstances. I could go on and on. All of these factors put them on a different trajectory. No one trajectory is better than the other. It's more about any deviation that we see from your child's norm that's concerning. So always remember that. If you take away anything from this podcast episode, that is the one thing I want you to take away. 
Now, during the first few years of life, it can be normal to see some bouncing up and down on that growth chart, you know, up and down in percentiles as they sort of adjust and they normalize themselves towards their genetic potential. You're gonna see a really fast and high rate of growth in the early years. I'm talking two years and under, you're gonna see a lot of bouncing around, maybe up to three years of age. Then you're gonna probably actually see more stability happening at that point. But they're kind of almost, like I said, finding their way towards their genetic potential. Where do I need to normalize myself? How is my body going to stabilize and find that perfect rate of growth that will lead me towards where I'm supposed to be based on my environment and based on my genetics? So those genetic and environmental factors vary. And so I want to kind of go through what those are. So first of all, your child's birth weight and their birth length are actually really good predictors of their genetic potential for weight and height throughout life. Also, the feeding methods that you use. So breastfed babies typically grow faster in the first six months of life compared to formula-fed babies. And then formula-fed babies tend to grow faster than breastfed babies after the first six months of life. So that's definitely an environmental factor that affects things as well. And also you can have these um, what we call catch up or catch down periods of growth where babies that are born smaller or born larger than their genetic potential will eventually just adjust and regulate. So again, you might see it up and down in their growth chart percentiles. And some kids show what we call constitutional growth delay, which I think my son has. I mean, it was never officially diagnosed, but after I've learned about it, I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is what he has. It's basically when they start dropping percentiles on the growth chart for the first three years of life, but after they stabilize just under their growth curve until they hit about puberty. And then, you know, sometimes puberty can be delayed, but once it does hit, growth spurts at that time may result in achieving that full genetic potential again. So they kind of catch up really, really late. And that is considered to be a normal growth pattern. Although it's more rare, it's normal. So this is something that's important to note. Again, when your doctor or when you are interpreting your child's growth, you need to take these things into account that will help explain why sometimes you might see these ups and downs and it may seem freaky to you. It may seem like something's wrong, but it could really just be your own child's natural growth pattern. Now, I want to jump into what are the circumstances that you can expect to cause deviations from their norm. So let's say they have their norm, they're always on the 50th percentile or the 30th or whatever. What are things that can take them away from that? First of all, not enough calories or too many calories or the wrong type of calories. And probably that's the most common thing that affects growth. Many kids, toddlers especially, they enter a period of time where they're increasingly demanding and distracted and they sort of develop bad habits around mealtimes and lack of structure in the environment. And that basically causes them to have these issues with food. Sometimes they have texture aversion. Sometimes it's just regular picky eating. Other times it's just problems and stress at the table that makes them not want to be there. And so they're eating too little as a result. And then other kids might eat too much if there's a lack of structure and again, kind of a preoccupation with food or they've been taught to always eat, to fill up, to not listen to their appetite and eat past their fullness cues. Most of it, though, has less to do with your toddler's ability to regulate their own appetite and a whole lot more to do with that parent-child feeding relationship. And you may or may not know, but my Feeding Toddlers online course, if you're new, you're listening to this podcast for for the first time, 
Or if you've been here before, you know that my toddler's course is really designed to help you prevent or tackle these issues. That parent-child feeding relationship is so crucial, so important, and you've got to set up a strong, trusting foundation with your child and with yourself around mealtime so that you can actually gear your child and set them up to be able to listen in to exactly what their body needs. And for all those picky eating strategies that you may, you know, have heard me talk about before and others talk about, for them to actually start working, you've got to get that foundation down. So my Feeding Toddlers course does walk you through all of that. And if you're interested in learning more, definitely check out the link in the show notes for that. Okay, so back to kids who don't get enough calories. One thing that I just want to say quickly is you'll often see that their weight will be affected first and then later their height. If the calorie deprivation or reduction in intake in calories lasts for a really long time, it will eventually affect their height, but it's always going to affect their weight first, which is a good thing because that's way easier to fix than it is losing some time where the height might be affected. The other thing to mention is that You may have a child that eats enough calories every day, but the quality of their diet is really poor and they're missing a lot of the growth positive nutrients that they need to grow, like iron, zinc, vitamin D, calcium, and even amino acids. I actually, it's funny, the biggest thing that I see in my practice is kids who aren't getting enough iron, which is definitely more common in kids who eat heavy dairy-based diets, by the way. But what I see in those cases is a child with stunted height, usually. And anytime I see that height is not progressing at a good pace, I always look to iron as the first thing. I always am like, I need blood work and we need to look at this because it is very, very affected by your iron status is is your child's height, especially as they're, again, growing so rapidly in those first early years, I should say, of life. And I always recommend healthy height, actually. If you've never heard me talk about this healthy height protein shake, this protein mix, it's basically a mix that I do really trust. And I offer it even to my oldest son because, again, I he does have some growth delays in terms of height specifically. But basically, this mix contains all the growth-boosting vitamins and minerals and the protein and the amino acids that kids need for optimal growth, especially for kids who are underweight and have stunted height growth. Or, or maybe they're extremely picky or maybe they just need extra bits of protein in their diet for whatever reason those shake mixes are absolutely delicious every day after school that's what my son gets and they've actually been clinically proven to help kids grow so there's a couple studies that they've done that have shown that using it for six months of age has really resulted in significant results and that definitely convinced me. So if you're interested in the healthy height mixes, they have a protein, a chocolate of, um, what am I saying? They have a chocolate, a vanilla, and an unflavored shake mix. You can definitely try them all out. I have a couple recipes as well that I've posted on Instagram uh, about before and you can use code EATER15 to get 15% off of your first order. So definitely check that out. I've included a link as well in my show notes so you can just click on it and head straight to the website and then use code EATER15. All right, another reason why your child may not be growing according to their norm is if they have some kind of chronic disease. So any long-term or recurring infections or if they have low immunity or in, you know IBS, inflammatory bowel disease, or celiac disease. This is one that I've seen come up in my practice a lot. It can cause basically not just a decreased intake of calories, 
but also they don't absorb the calories that they get in because they often have leaky gut. So a lot of the nutrients that they're getting in isn't actually getting digested. It's not getting absorbed into their body. So malabsorption issues are really a big one and especially very tied to if your child has a chronic disease or not, if they're really dropping in weight and or height and they're eating. Sometimes it's like you can't figure out why. So I suggest ask your doctor to run all the tests, run all the blood work, but also you know see a GI specialist and just see if you can narrow down whether or not they could possibly have some kind of chronic disease like IBS or something else that's affecting them like uh, celiac. The last thing that could really be affecting them is if they have any endocrine issues. So any abnormalities in how their hormones function. So think about thyroid issues or insulin or growth factor hormones. All of those can also affect your child's weight and height. So another thing to look into. The good news to all of this is that if there's an underlying reason for growth abnormalities and it's caught and treated early, honestly, growth patterns can totally be restored to achieve what their genetic potential is. So it's not like they're doomed for life. It's all about understanding again, their growth patterns, when to be alarmed, what to ask for for your doctor or from your doctor, and just figuring out what's that root cause so that you can treat it accordingly. So my takeaway message here is, no matter where your child is normally on the growth chart, they are at the right percentile for them, okay? It is no better for them to be at the 50th percentile than it is for them to be at the 99th percentile or the 5th percentile. And the most important thing is whether or not your child is generally just staying on their established growth curve. The other thing I want you to remember is growth charts aren't intended to be used as the sole means of diagnosing an issue. Instead, they're supposed to really just contribute to an overall picture of your child's health. It's one thing that helps to kind of see the whole picture. So it's wise to, you know, look at other signs, look at other symptoms that they show that they are or aren't making developmental progress. And that's going to help inform you just as much. And nobody's growth and development is always perfectly smooth. So there may be natural ups and downs on the growth chart based on whether your child is ill or if they just have a temporary decrease in appetite or they're going through a growth spurt or even puberty. We didn't talk about that because it's for older kids, but of course it's going to cause changes in your child's growth. You may see, you know, them put on a lot of weight before, especially for girls. You see them put on a lot more weight in those few years leading up to puberty and even into puberty and things balance out over some time. So please don't freak out and please don't implement any crazy diets or restrictions or if it's on the other side of the spectrum, you know, trying to push food on your child because that stuff backfires, okay? So please just know that it's not always going to be perfectly smooth and kids do have an innate ability to know what they need to eat at different points in their life. That's the awesome thing is assuming there's no underlying medical issues, your child's appetite is perfectly designed to fluctuate as they go through different stages of growth. When they're a baby, they have a certain appetite to fuel the rate of growth that they go through in that first year of life. As they hit toddlerhood, their growth slows down naturally. So guess what? Their appetite's going to decrease and it's going to be a lot more finicky. Then as they maybe go through a growth spurt, they're going to like have this extreme boost in how much they want to eat in that month. And then you might see it drop again as they're not growing. So That is normal and the best part is your child knows exactly how much they need to eat. So there's no need for us to interfere. Again, 
Let them tune into the ability for them to know what their body needs. That is such an important skill that you can teach your child to be able to listen to that and respond to that accordingly. And at the end of the day, there's only really potentially a problem with your child's growth when there's a downward or upwards jump on the growth charts of at least two percentiles, and usually it's lasting for many months that you'll see that kind of jump staying there. And finally, finding out the underlying cause of a true growth delay or a jump is really important and treatment should begin sooner rather than later. That's basically my last takeaway. And again, if you need help feeding your baby or your toddler, remember I've got courses for you. They're all laid out for you step-by-step and it is all of the feeding strategies that I use in my private counseling and, and feeding therapy. And it has everything that you need to know to, first of all, with the baby led feeding course, learn how to feed your baby from six to 12 months of age when they're really just trying to build that foundation to love all foods and prevent picky eating and eat foods safely and learn how to do that well. And then I've got my Feeding Toddlers online course for kids aged one to eight years of age. And that is for you if you wanna teach them how to eat happily so there's no pickiness, there's no mealtime battles, no stress, and to have a healthy relationship with food. And you wanna teach them how to eat healthily so that they're eating all the right things at the right times, that course is for you. So check out the links in my show notes and enjoy your week. And I hope you found this episode helpful. If you did, would you please leave me a review? If you just take like 30 seconds in Apple Podcasts, leave me a quick little review, hit five stars, and you will be entered into a weekly draw to get a 10 to 15 minute kind of one-on-one ask me anything video session where you can talk to me and ask me any questions you have about feeding your little one, and I will be right there to help you in real time. I love doing those things. So leave me that review and thank you so much in advance and have a wonderful week. I will talk to you next week. Bye.